You're listening to Magic Not Logic, the podcast. We're Julie and Tash Lewin, mother-daughter duo. Let's get the magic started. Recently, I was talking with a, a friend and we were talking about what was our deep, dark fear, the one that we think would just be the most horriblest thing to happen. And what about that fear is stopping us from doing world work, like really shining, really stepping up and doing our world work. Mm. And so back in 1994 and 1996, I was on the TV show, The Extraordinary, where I was filmed telling people what I could sense about their health. And that TV show was sold to 22 countries around the world. And from the first episode, the the phone lines crashed at the TV station. They were, Frank would go to the post office and there was a sack of mail every few days. This is back in the days before we had internet, before we had email, before we had mobile phones, before we had smartphones. And before anyone could so, just Google you and find out who yeah, you were and where Google you were. Me. All they could do was contact the TV station and find out what was the next step. And what happened was thousands and thousands of letters. So it was snail mail, the old fashioned way. I can't believe I'm saying that after like 20, 27 years, we're saying that that was old fashioned. Mm. But the, the reality was that thousands and thousands of people were writing to me and I was completely overwhelmed. They, they were writing things like, you're my last hope. And I felt this enormous pressure of, of that. And uh, at the time, um, I felt that I had an obligation to actually help every single person that wrote to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to give up my work. I, I was working, doing eight sessions a day, seven days a week, and I absolutely exhausted myself. And, and my phone would ring and ring and ring and back in those days we had um call waiting so you'd be on a call and you'd hear the phone ringing and so you'd hang up that call and then the next call would come in and I would bounce from call to call for four or five hours every night when I should have been with my family Mm. and it was completely overwhelming and I had no boundaries. Like it it was the biggest lesson in boundaries that I think anyone could ever have. And I got to the point where I couldn't even get out of bed. I was so depleted and so exhausted. And the thing was that people thought, well, she's only giving me 20 minutes or 10 minutes or Mm. 30 minutes of her time. That's okay. And there was no financial exchange. I was just you know, giving this time 
So there was an inequity in exchange of energy as well. But when you add like 15 of those up, then that's hours of time that you spend giving people your energy. Your vital energy. My vital energy. And I got to the point where I actually couldn't um, go to work. And that's a really big deal. By then, this is in, I, I had got a job working at a, um, at a charity. And my doctor, who is also a friend, rang me at that charity and I wasn't there. And he knew that I always went to work. So he rang me at home and he said, Julie, what's going on? Why aren't you at work? And I said, I feel like somebody's pulled the plug out and I can't function. He said, can you get to my clinic? I'm going to cry. And I said, I think so. So I drove to his clinic, which was about 20 minutes. And he said, I'm going to give you a vitamin C transfusion. And he said, what can you feel as I'm giving you that? And I said, oh, I've just got a pain in my shoulder. He said, is that all? I said, yeah. He said, Julie, you're gravely ill. He said, my stage four cancer patients have this response. He said, you need to go home and rest. And so I went home and Frank rang me at work as well that day and I wasn't there Mm. so he came home and he said what are you doing at home I said oh I I just don't feel very well and he said uh, and then I said to him I just want to find a rock crawl under it and die and he said well you can't you've got two children you've got to look after and I was lying on the sofa because I couldn't even sit up and a big hole appeared in the ceiling and there were all these arms stretching down, pulling me up that hole. And then I, I don't remember anything after that. And then three hours later, he woke me and said, you've got an acupuncturist appointment. Are you going? And I was really groggy, like I'd come back from a long way. And I got into, I drove myself to the acupuncturist. And it was my second visit. And his name was Jim Chalmers. He was amazing. And he did my pulses, which they they do on your wrist. And he did them again. And he looked at me and he said, are you okay? I said, no, I said, I'm so tired. And he said, you have no chi energy. It's undetectable. He said, I'm going to give you some chi energy and you are not to use it for anyone else. And so I didn't care, really. I was just so exhausted. And he stuck the needles in and he sat with me because he was so worried. And... um, After about 20 minutes, I could feel this energy in my body and I looked up and on the ceiling was this bright light and within that bright light, I could see Jesus and Jesus just put his hand down 
and rested it on my chest. And I could just feel my body flooding with this energy. And so I turned to Jim and I said, can you feel anything different in the room? He said, I've just had the most incredible peace descend upon me. And I said, well, I'll tell you what just happened. I said, Jesus just appeared on the ceiling and basically gave me energy. And Jim said, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And I believed him. Like mm -hmm. I believed him so strongly and every week I went back for acupuncture and I had some pretty wild experiences, let me tell you. And he always made my appointment the last appointment so that he could sit in the room with me because we didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> and one day he put a needle in a certain pl place and he said, I'm, I don't do this very often. It's actually a rare thing to do, but I'm accessing your preconception energy and whoa I was gone and I was in this um in this it felt like I was in an igloo but you know I could have been in the womb I don't know but anyway it, it was an interesting place and I said where am I and this voice this androgynous voice said you are home and I said, well, where's that? And it, it wasn't male, it wasn't female. Um, so we'll come and have a look. And so it was like I was flying. And I said, where's the conflict? Where's the drama? And the voice said, oh, my dear, we don't do that here. Mm. And that felt incredible and then I came back into my body and back, back in the room mm. and so we ha I had these experiences another day he put a needle in my ankle and I went into needle shock and and I couldn't breathe I was shaking and I just said take it out take it out and he pulled that one out and I couldn't stop shaking and then the hand came down from the ceiling and rested on my chest again. And all the, all the shakiness, all the shock just went out of my body. And I said to Jim, I'm okay now, you can stick it back in. He said, are you sure? And I said, is it, is it what you want to do today? He said, yes. I said, you can put it back in. And he put it back in and I was okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like I needed to see that evidence that it wasn't just the acupuncture that was helping me. I had subtle realm I had Jesus like I and I don't go to church but I have this deep connection with Jesus and he was supporting me and after six months Jim said you're doing really well now Julie he said I didn't think that you would actually live mm. he said I didn't think you'd make it and I said Jim you told me that I would make it and I believed you and he said, yeah, but I didn't believe it. Mm. So that right there is the profundity of what our beliefs will do for us. Mm. So I had literally given my life force to the people of the world 
indiscriminately. Like I, I didn't yeah. have any boundaries. I didn't have any barriers. I thought that I was obligated to do that. So and without an exchange. Of without an exchange as well. And I just didn't um, know even what the concept of self-care was. And also and, like the idea of energetic hygiene. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like when we're doing this kind of work and a lot of people are now and a lot of people are helping to support uh, the world right now and what's mm. um, energetically taking place, mm. like the upgrade of humanity, mm. that there's almost this uh, obligation, like this like drive, inner drive to do that work. But if we're not also filling our own cup, like replenishing our energy, uh, discarding the energy of the people that we're working with afterwards. Mm. Like <laughs> my friends will uh, testify that the biggest thing I say is that's not my responsibility mm -hmm. and is knowing where our responsibility ends. Mm -hmm. Like that's boundary work. It's like, yeah. well, what's my responsibility and what's your responsibility? And it's not my responsibility to fix you. It's not yeah. my responsibility to try and save you from things. It's not my responsibility to process your energy. Yeah. It's not my responsibility to process your emotional trauma, mm. like in my body. Yeah. Like as an empath, I the barrier between me and people in the world is very thin. Like mm. I, it'll wash into me if I'm not careful. And so I need to consciously do the work of return to sender. Yeah. Like it's not my responsibility to process those things for the world. No, like it is my joy and uh, privilege to help people process their own things, mm. like to learn about themselves and to unpack their own stuff and to, you know, help themselves do things. Mm. But it's not my responsibility to save them, to no. process that energy, to process those emotions, to unpack those emotions for them. Yeah. Like, if it's not a co-creation process, if they're not also on board doing it, then there's an uneven exchange of energy. Mm. And it's really important for us that our empaths that are doing this work, that we practice energetic hygiene. And like we'll probably go into that in more detail on a different podcast because I think that yeah. it's a bigger topic to talk about. But back then you didn't have mentors like there wasn't it, people that were doing what you were doing for you to no. know that you were depleting your vital energy and not replacing it that's it yeah that a lot of the disease that we find ourselves uh, experiencing in the physical body is has an energetic root yeah and if we don't address both then it's not going to stick no. like and it's not that it's one or the other. Mm. Like we highly advocate for traditional medicine as well as like your own, uh, finding your own inner authority and your own uh, energetic work. Correct. Like it goes hand in hand. Like yeah. there are things that we don't know. Like there are things that medical professionals that have trained in that like they know the full picture. Like they know how all the pieces fit together. Mm. But they also can't fix our energy for us. Like they no. can't do that energy work. And so that's our responsibility yeah. to do our own energy work. Yeah. And uh, 
I don't know if you want to talk about um, what happened the other day at this point, um, but I think that it's really it's a really important conversation around like our own inner authority, but not also discarding uh, like thousands of years of research and knowledge because we think we know better. Mm. Like I think it's taking that, but also knowing our own bodies, like our own uh, energy, our own responses to things. It's like it's yeah. a it's a hand in hand conversation, not a one or the other conversation. Yeah. Like it's not a either or, and it's not a us versus them based on what our beliefs are. It's a, well, all of those things are true. Like all of those things are a reality that people live in. Yeah. And they all exist simultaneously. Mm. Yeah, so after that experience of being on the extraordinary and depleting myself and then ultimately getting cancer and losing my voice for a year. Just that old thing. Just that old thing, yeah. Um, I've I've been cautious about putting myself like really out there in the world. Mm. And the other thing that um, I didn't have to deal with back then was trolling mm. and online bullying and skeptics being so um, like having a platform robust in their, their um, uh, scathing opinions about mm. people who do stuff that's different. Mm. And so I, I've, I have to be honest and say I've been cautious about putting myself out there again because I've already had an experience of being out there. And um, so I was sharing with my friend that, my deepest fear was to be attacked basically in mm. the media, in social media, in the media. And so I knew that there was always that, that part of me that was holding back. Yeah. And, um, and then last week I was um, sent some information by someone who knows me that that exact thing has actually happened and that someone contacted me last year. Uh, Under false pretenses. Uh, I'm writing an article about um, healers and psychics and can I interview you? And I said, sure. And, um, and that article turned out to be part of a book expose expose book and it was um I didn't I have to be honest and say I didn't read it all I read bits and um and I thought I I don't need to read that but it certainly triggered shock in my body that when we and when we talked about it like you said this is why I don't want to be famous I did and I was like well we need to address that tomorrow Correct. because <laughs> that was that night um I was like that like right there was like everything that was at the core at exactly. the core of why we kind of like have been playing it small yeah uh in the work and knowing yeah. that it's world work but playing small yeah um 
and um, and then I unpacked what that was. So, mm. you know, we both do the work for ourselves. And yeah. I have to admit that I was sitting there and the blood, my blood was full of adrenaline and I felt like vomiting. I, you know, I'd gone right into fight or flight. And then I spoke with my friend and she said, well, let's unpack what's underneath that. And this is, this is what we do on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And what I did was could hear my, my parents' voice, be quiet. Well, we won't talk about that now. Um, stop it. And not thought, right now. Not right now, basically. Stop it. And so once I just like that had all bubbled up and obviously I needed a shock for that to bubble up. Mm. I was able to clear it. And from before doing the clearing to after doing the clearing, the transformation was phenomenal in that I felt calm. I felt actually grateful Mm. that um, there was some things in there I thought, well, they're not true. That's actually not what I said or what happened. It's not my vocabulary. Mm. And and then I said to Tash, well, I said to you, Mm. (laughs) we just need to be really clear about what we are saying. Our language. Our language needs to be really clear so that there's no misconception and... And I think that I'm really clear now that I'm not responsible for anyone else's choices mm-hmm. and I'm not here to rescue people. Mm-hmm. Uh, As I've recovering not, rescuers. I'm a recovering <laughs> rescuer. Um, but I had to learn about that. I had to le- learn that um, I can't rescue people. I can't take responsibility for other people's stuff and so the outcome of that is speaking to my other friend who we had the conversation with what's your darkest um, fear then my darkest fear has happened now Mm. and I know that I can navigate that I can work through that I can find grace on the other side of that Mm. and I can do that quickly I know that that is possible so yeah that if it comes up that you know you have the tools to do something I have about the it. tools to do something yeah so I guess the 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 grace of this is shine brightly and mm. like you can't control what people are going to say about you, what things are going to happen to you in the world, but you can control how what I you, yeah, how you react, how you respond, yeah. what you take from those things, what you learn from them, like yeah. what things you're going to do differently potentially. Correct. Like, uh, it depends what people subscribe to, but I subscribe to the idea that uh, on the other side, before we come here, we make contracts with people to create learning opportunities for each Mm -hmm. other 
And sometimes that means positioning yourself as the trigger, like mm -hmm. as the thing that is going to force someone to look at things in a different way, like to learn a lesson. Mm. And like that doesn't absorb abuse, but you can't control that. Like you can only control your choices that you make. Yeah. And in believing that, like we can then look at that situation and go, okay, well, what's there, what's in that situation for me to learn? Mm. Like what can I do differently so that doesn't happen or there's not a matching energy signature in me for those events to occur? How do I stop that from not being a recurring pattern in my life? Yeah. yeah. How do I like cut it now? Like how do I dig that out of the root? Mm. And what's there for me to inspect? Yeah. And or like then I gave me the opportunity to so I was like what I want I want a clearing I had to read it too <laughs> I want to clear the energy that's around that uh and so you did the same process like the what's your darkest fear and yeah. I don't know that it as I mentioned on a different episode I don't know that what came up is necessarily like my darkest fear but it was certainly one of my deepest traumas mm. uh around bullying like mm. an exclusion uh and that I had read and I had read somewhere in an article like bullying and exclusion being linked together and it had never really I'd never really thought of it that way I was like well I guess I had some bullying in high school like bullying as in like active mm. like an active rather than passive mm. and I was like well yeah and I guess that that probably impacted on me but I hadn't linked it like with exclusion tactics and unfortunately teenage girls are very good at exclusion tactics yeah and what we unpacked in like you digging uh into <laughs> into what occurred um is that it was a ongoing pattern in my life that people would say things about me to other people that weren't true like that mm -hmm. were lies but then everybody would act as if they were true and then exclude me from mm -hmm. the group based on the belief of that lie yeah and like I couldn't control uh what was said about me like what people believe to be true and so then I would just accept accept the exclusion and would go be by myself and then I would be invited back in again at some point and then excluded again it was like this ongoing pattern of me not really understanding what was going on and mm. so and not being able to communicate like my truth at that point. And so I think there's a pattern of not being able to like communicate my truth in a way that people understood and didn't believe the lie. And so mm. I think the book for me like triggered the one, like my sense of injustice, like mm. of like, how dare you do that to my mom? Like mm. my mama bear, like, uh, how dare you? But also then like my own fear of people saying lies about me. And then mm. people believing them to be true and then acting as if they were true. Mm. And so we did a big clearing on that and it was profound. Like mm. the, just the peace in my heart, cause it was sitting in my heart and I had had some really high blood pressure since I read the, the pages of the book and like not really realizing until you did the clearing and you had cleared what was in my heart, mm. like, Oh like it had actually physically manifested, like mm -hmm. the trauma of it had physically manifested in my body mm -hmm. uh, as like heart 
pressure. Mm. And um, so then on the other side of the clearing, it wasn't immediate, like the next day was a little bit um, still high blood pressure, but like then the next day, completely gone. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I just say I love the work that we do, that we do for ourselves, not just for our clients and not just for our customers, like that this is just how we live. Mm. This is our day-to-day life Mm. of things happen and we inspect them and then we find what needs to be found and then it's cleared energetically. And like you do this really amazing process of like clearing it from all lifetimes, all timelines, like all future timelines, like the entire soul's journey Mm. is getting this lesson, like Mm. is getting this learning and then this energetic shift Mm. because like not in the physical 3d like in the 5d everything is simultaneous and so if we can clear it for our entire soul like what an extraordinary gift for our soul like what an upgrade Mm. for our soul and so I just feel like in the last two years I've had this incredible soul upgrade like through the work that we're doing and I don't even like remember the person I was prior to January 2020 yeah like it has been an amazing journey and when I keep doing like it it doesn't stop like this work doesn't stop and I think that sometimes in the discomfort when we're unraveling a lot all Mm. at the one time it can feel like well when is it going to stop like when do I stop seeing these things like well you kind of don't like you're now on this path and you can't unsee what you've seen and like the tendency to witness yourself doesn't go away Mm. but it can happen faster Mm. and in the I think I was speaking on a different episode like not seeking Mm. the unraveling like in seeing in the going oh what else can I find today to clear like that can make it feel incredibly overwhelming because it shifts everything physically and energetically Mm. and if you do too much shifting like it's got nowhere to go like you also have to be practicing energetic hygiene and actually shifting that out of you Mm. as well and you've got a really amazing template for that um, the waste disposal unit that I use frequently Mm. Um, but like what's being unraveled has to be cleared out it has to be moved out of your energy field uh, as well and so in the allowing the situations to come and then inspecting is just I guess a little more of a smoother ride in uh, this unraveling work in the Mm. self-inspection work that it's not constant because I know that my friend who like we all self-acknowledge that we are overachievers and she wanted to clear all of it Um, but will acknowledge that in wanting to do that, like it can be overwhelming. It can Mm. feel like it's never ending, like you're on this never ending roller coaster of um, self-inspection, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like it doesn't have to be this constant like peaks and troughs and um, that you don't have to be up and down all the time. Mm. And that may be another episode where we talk about the amnesia line and um, our realization that uh neutral what did we say something about neutral feeling boring mm-hmm. like that the middle line can feel like you're not moving but yeah. you don't, it doesn't have to be the high high highs and low lows 
in order for you to be growing no um so we'll discuss that in a future episode i think that this one's probably good to end here i think we're done yeah and so thanks for listening everybody uh if you want to keep listening you want to know when we're next releasing an episode um just hit uh subscribe to the podcast we're on apple podcasts and we're also on spotify uh and so you know just follow along we'll be sharing our journey our revelations uh things that we're learning as well things that we're uh seeing with our clients um we'll just be sharing a bit of us with you so we enjoy having you with us uh and we'll see you on the next episode yep see you then